Hope everybody's doing all right. Have y'all had a good week? Good week? Fair week for others, I guess. Just a fair week for others. Some people's been at the beach, so I know that's, that's been a good week for them. Um, we had a good week at Summer Spectacular. So, yeah, a real good week. And um, about 102 was the average for the kids, just the kids alone. And um, that went really well. We know of one salvation um, so far. We're trying to follow up on the rest of them. So, you know, that one is worth it, as well as the discipleship that happened during the week for the other kids that came. And it was just a, it was just a great time to be here. So, uh, nonetheless, good, good job for everybody that, that helped out. And it was, it was just a lot, a lot of fun. Um, I was at uh, a family event yesterday. <laughs> yeah, a family event. My aunt passed away, and so I went to the funeral yesterday in uh, Casual County. And uh, during the meal, you know, those meals that I really like, um, we, we, were sitting, we were sitting there and we were talking, and, and my cousin recently got a rescue dog. And, and she rescued the dog because, you know, you can do that. You can go and rescue a dog maybe that they have at the pound or whatever. You can get that. You can even get, I mean, if you're just not saved, you can even get a cat um, at, at the thing and rescue that as well. Um, so you, you, know, you can get either one of those. And, you know, it's, it's a place where, you know, if they're not rescued, their end is not going to be, it's going to be very quick. Like it's, they're not going to stay there forever is what I'm saying. So you, so you go and you rescue them. I feel the same way every time I go to the dollar store. You know, you go in there and you're looking at the stuff that's just a dollar and you're like, you know, this is one step away from it being thrown into the trash. So this morning I just thought I'd, I'd just start out with, you know, I think not only should we rescue dogs, but I think we should rescue some of the stuff at the dollar store. Stuff that just needs to find a home in your house. You already have enough junk anyway, so just go ahead and add some more, and that way it wouldn't be thrown out sometime. You know, at, at, the, at the dollar store. One step away from being um, thrown out. I was, I was in the dollar store the other day, because I go there. I go to the dollar store. Uh, especially during Summer Spectacular, because you can, you can pick up some good stuff for a dollar, you know, to, to use here. Um, there's other times we go to the dollar store. I bought a uh, fall house set at the dollar store. That house set, when I got back home and I got to thinking about it, was probably not worth the money that I really put into it because it was a house. The house was a dollar. There was five houses that were a dollar, so that's five dollars. Then there's those little itty bitty figurines. Each one of them was a dollar. I'm thinking the whole set originally was probably $6, and I think I spent about $28. So, so not everything's a deal there at the dollar store. But I was, I was there the other day, and I don't know why I haven't realized this yet. I've just never been down this aisle. I accidentally went down the cosmetic aisle. There is a cosmetic aisle at the dollar store. Did anybody else know this? A cosmetic, like lipstick stuff, you know, what I was intrigued by was there was a section of men's cologne for a dollar. And in the back of my mind, I was thinking, listen, if you're buying cologne for a dollar, the girl you're trying to get can't smell. It doesn't matter if you have B.O. or Colono, she's going to be just fine with how you smell. The cologne was a dollar. 
you know, what, what is kind of even, even um, more interesting is the dollar store here in Clemens, they have mystery bags. Have you seen those mystery bags for a dollar? You can get the mystery bag for a dollar. By the way, if you have an anniversary and you have $20, get 20 mystery bags. I think that would just be a lot of fun. This is the items. These are the items that they were like, you know, they've stayed on our shelves for such a long time. We need to figure out some way for people to be interested in them. So we're going to put them in a mystery bag so that people will buy them for a dollar and, and go home. Anyway, it's all, the, all this stuff that's one step away from like being trashed, being gotten rid of, being absolutely destroyed. Now, with that in mind, I want you to turn your Bibles, believe it or not, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. First Thessalonians chapter 1, and we'll begin reading with verse 4. And this is what it says. For we know, brothers, that particular word know is uh, different than remember before, it's, it, but it is kind of a remembrance sort of thing. It, it's something that you remember that has happened in your past, right? It, it happened back here and you're bringing it to the forefront and you're reminding other people of it. That's what you're doing. So that's, that's the scope of that particular word. If I was to get, give kind of an illustration of this word, it would be this. Um, I've been going to the dollar store for a very long period of time, very long period of time. So back in the 90s, when they had these things called cassette tapes, remember cassette tapes? I went to the dollar store one time and um, went down the line. I was trying to get some blank cassette tapes. There was some stuff that we were doing. And, you know, that was modern technology back then. You could get a blank tape for a dollar. Well, right next to the blank tapes for a dollar were all these, like, artist tapes. And obviously, these artist tapes, they were not uh, being sold. Like, nobody was buying them. So at the dollar store, they were marked down to 88 cents. This means that the blank tapes next to them was more valuable than their voice. If they sing, they sing at negative 12 cents. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Here are these people, dollar store, 88 cents. It can't even be a dollar. You know, here it is. Well, well that's, that's a memory. And the instant that I say cassette tape, there are some people in here who said, yeah, I used to, I used to have cassette tapes. And there's some memories that flooded your mind. This might be one of them. You're in your room. You've got the pause button and record and play down. The radio is playing. You are dusting, waiting for that song to come. And when you're the furthest point from the room, that song starts and you book. Hit pause and get your, you know, pirate your song that you were looking for. Anybody did that? I mean, some of the, yeah, see, and you made these mixed tapes. It was absolutely incredible, and you almost killed yourself doing it. So when I say cassette tape, stuff starts flooding your mind, stuff from the past. You were probably not even thinking about cassette tapes until I mentioned them just a few moments ago. You probably were not thinking about the dollar store until a few moments ago, and maybe your last purchase there, where you bought, where you bought some cologne that maybe you shouldn't have wore. Um, that, that sort of deal. So it, it has flooded your mind. So this particular word is a word that those people, when they heard it, something would start flooding their mind. They would start thinking about something, okay? 
And so they're bringing this back to their remembrance. He's reminding them of something. And this is what he's reminding them of. He says this, For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Now, why in the world would he want to remind them that they are loved by God And why would he want to remind them in that particular cassette sort of way that they are chosen? I'll tell you why. These people right here were under an immense amount of persecution and affliction. There was a lot of stuff happening to them that was just not good. In fact, this 1 Thessalonians is actually the first letter that Paul ever wrote in Scripture. This is the first one that he penned. This is the second church that, this is the first church that he actually wrote to and then he wrote a second letter right after this one. The reason that he wrote this was because of the affliction and the persecution and the stuff that this church was going through. And so they had all this stuff happening to them over and over and over again. And before too long, if if a, a string of stuff starts happening to you over and over again, and, and some of it's the same thing, and you keep praying that God will bring you out of it, but yet more still comes, eventually you start wondering if God really loves you, and you're wondering about your value, you're wondering about if you really matter in the world, and if this is going to be your end. And so he says, listen, I want to bring something to your remembrance. Go back to the past while I was there and remember this. You are loved by God. You may be thinking you're not because this thing keeps coming up over and over again. The the doctor called you with one piece of bad news. He called you a second time with another piece of bad news. And the third time he calls you with another piece of bad news. And it just keeps it just keeps kind of spiraling out of control. At work, it just gets harder and harder and harder. At home, it just gets harder and harder and harder. And the struggle is absolutely real. And before too long, you're wondering if anybody loves you, much less God. So he says, look, I want you to remember something. God loves you. You may not feel like it, You may feel like your family is falling apart. You may feel like that the world is falling apart. You may feel like that there's no hope in the future, but but Paul says this, remember that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It is a fact that God loves every human in the world, every single one of them. He loves the ones that you love and the ones that you hate. He loves the ones that you like to be around and the ones that you don't like to be around. God loves everybody, and he loved them so much that he sent his son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for their sins. He took their punishment on the cross so they would not have to. And all they have to do is believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and they will be saved. That's all that has to happen. All that has to happen. God loves the entire world. But he also loves at another level. I have to be careful saying that, but it's true. He loves at another level 
those people that have accepted him as their savior. He calls those people children of his. He calls those people his own. And he has an amazing plan for each person that has accepted him as their savior. He knows who they are. He knows them by name. He loves them. So when Paul is saying this to this church that is in Christ, in the Lord Jesus, here in Thessalonica, he is saying this, look, God loved you enough to save you, and now he loves you because you are his child. He loves you dearly. Do not forget that. Do not allow your affliction to tell you something different. So it continues. He says he loves you, and it says he chose you. Now, there's a lot that has been written, many books on the subject of God choosing. How does he choose? How does he not choose? Does he choose people to go to hell? Does he choose people to go to heaven? What in the world is going on here? Listen, I'm not even going to dive into that. I'm not going to dive into that, all right? This is what we know. Here in this particular passage of scripture, it is God's love that chose people And it's because he chose people that he loves them. It is a circular thing. He loves you, and the basis of that choosing is his love. I'm also going to tell you that for eight more times in in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, and 2 Thessalonians, he's going to talk about election. He's going to talk about choosing. But in this passage of Scripture, for what he's trying to say, he's trying to let them know that not only does God love you, but he has chosen you to be his child. He has chosen you to be his child. Not only does God love you, love you, but he has chosen you. He has chosen you for a purpose. He has chosen you to be something greater than what you were before you were found by him. Is everybody tracking? And when affliction hits you over and over again and you go through tough times and you and you have this stuff going on in your life, It is nice to know that you're chosen even though things aren't going correctly. You are chosen. There is something greater beyond your suffering. My aunt taught um, Sunday school for 20 years in her church, 20 years in her church. She led several kids to the Lord. But my aunt had health problems over and over and over again until those health problems took her home. Now, in the last stage of her life, she had a heart problem. Her blood pressure started going down. Hospice was called in. She was going to pass away. And on the outside, like if you don't know Jesus, on the outside, it seems that this world and death is really winning. But my aunt received the Lord Jesus Christ as her savior as a young girl. And she lived a faithful life serving God in his church and witnessing to other people. And when she passed away, God had already predetermined where she was going. She was predestined to a heavenly place because that sickness and that heart failure was not going to have the last say. Jesus had the last say. He chose her for something greater. He chose her for a better life. And that is an amazing thing to think about. 
So the afflictions that come, we, you and I need to remember, God still loves you. He still loves you and he has chosen you for something greater than your health condition. He's chosen for you something greater than your uh, particular situation in your family. He has chosen you for something greater and he will make sure that you get there. Okay. He will make sure you get there. He's going to make sure. And so it is such a comfort to know that God chose us. Christians should never allow their affliction to determine their value. Christians should never allow their affliction to determine their value. They should never do that. It is not your affliction that defines you. It's Jesus Christ and his choosing that defines you. And that's an amazing, amazing thought. Amen? It's an amazing thought. Amazing thought. So, what does this continue? It continues to talk. Or talk to us or read about or continues to go. I didn't say that correctly. Okay, verse 4. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. So the gospel came with power. Their preaching came with power. Um, back back a, a while ago, um, I, w- I went to the prison and, and preached in the prison. And, um, and so, you know, in this particular time, there was uh, four cell blocks. There were three people in each one of the blocks. So four, three would be 12 people. And I was standing up against the wall preaching to these, to these uh, prisoners in prison. And I don't really like to be locked up anywhere at any time. I like to have an escape route, especially when there's people that could possibly hurt you, you know, around you. There's, there's just something I would like to have a way to escape, but nonetheless, there it was. And so I preached this message. It was from Isaiah 53, and I just want to give you just a little bit of it, okay? So in that passage, it says that he was pierced for our transgression, okay? That means he was pierced through, like you would take a spear and pierce it all the way through your arm, your soul, whatever. You pierce, and you could see the the spear on the other side. So he was pierced for our transgression and and went into all that. Talked about Jesus, how he was pierced. He was crushed for our iniquities. That particular word crushed in the Hebrew is like a dirt wad. You ever throw a dirt, a piece of mud dirt wad up against the wall when you were a kid, like it rained and you threw it up and it went, you ever did that? If you didn't, you haven't lived. It's an amazing thing. In fact, if you're playing army, those are the things that would blow up. Like he would throw the, you know, because we played army when I was a kid, right? So, so I said, yeah, crushed to dust. So, so it, it pierced him. He was pierced for our transgressions all the way through. He was pierced all the way through. He was crushed to dust for our iniquities. And at that moment, I asked them this question. If, why, did, why did God do that? Why did he pierce his son and why did he crush him to dust? Because the next line in that text says, it pleased God the Father 
to pierce his son all the way through and crush his son to dust. And so I ask this question. What do you think he's going to do to the people that reject his son? And it's at that moment that one guy over in cell block, whatever number it is, jumped up and said, whoa. That piece of information, the Holy Spirit moved him and that prisoner accepted the Lord Jesus Christ that day. It moved him. When I reflect on times like that, this is what I know. You get up, you preach the word, and that reaction has nothing to do with you. It has absolutely nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with God taking his word and touching someone's heart, and then they move. You see, in this scripture, it says God loved you and God chose you. And the reason that I know he did was because when I preached to you, God moved you to salvation. It was not my eloquent words. It was not um, Saul's presentation. It was not Timothy's presentation that moved you in such a way that, wow, they just thought, wow, that was just an amazing, amazing message. It wasn't that. There was something deeper and more significant going on in the room. And it was the movement of the Spirit of God in people's hearts. And they received Jesus as their Savior. So he's saying, listen, you need to remember that you're loved. You need to remember that you're chosen. And you need to go back to that moment where God moved you toward salvation and you responded and accepted him as your savior. You were moved by the power of the word of God. That's what you were moved by. You were the prisoner in the cell that said, whoa, I need to get out of the prison of my sin and gain freedom through Christ. That's what I need. So for us this morning, my question to you is, has the gospel ever moved you toward a decision? Has it ever moved you toward a decision? Can you go back to that time in your mind? It doesn't have to be a date. I'm not a date guy, right? You go back to a moment where God moved your heart in such a way that you were like, man, I really need to ask forgiveness for my sins and I really need a savior. It is that moment that you go back to that you remember God loved you enough to get your attention and you decided to begin a relationship with him and you were chosen by him and you know it happened. You know it happened. If you can't go back to a time where the gospel moved your heart toward that decision, you need to allow that to happen today. That's what you need to do. You need to allow that to happen today. If you are a Christian and you're constantly being hit by things, what you need to do is go back to that salvation experience and remember that God loves you and he chose you and there's something better than this. Look, I don't know how you make it through life without Jesus. I don't know how you can get all the stuff coming at you all the time. We're constantly afflicted by something during the week, constantly hit by something. I don't know how you can make it through without Jesus and that experience and knowing that you're chosen by him. 
So Paul is encouraging these people, and I want to encourage you this morning. You are chosen and loved by God, and there's no greater love and no greater person that can choose you other than him. And we should be thankful that, for that and hold on to it. Hold on to it. Um, this continues. And... It says this, and you became imitators of us and the Lord. So what happened was, was he, um, he preached this message, right? And they heard this message and immediately they imitated the message in their life. Whatever he taught them, they imitated in their life. I'll ask you the next question. Do you imitate what you hear from Scripture? Do you try to take what you learn on Sunday morning or in your devotions or even when you listen to people during the week, do you take that particular information and try to apply it to your life and live that out in your life? Do you imitate that? Sunday night, it was about an hour and a half before a summer spectacular and um, we were doing some practicing in here and the power went out. Gone. It was black in here, except for the emergency lights that ran on batteries. So it's in that moment, they're like, oh my goodness, what's going to happen? So we figured out what time the power would come back on, because, you know, they tell you on the phone what time the power would come back on. And they said, 9 p.m. Well, 10 minutes later, there was another rainstorm that came, and in my mind, I was like, there's no way that this is going to be back on at 9 p.m., and there's no way that this is going to be back on by the time that Summer Spectacular is going to start. And so we, we have two options at that particular time. Either we cancel and move things, and I think everybody here knows how I feel about canceling, or we just try to figure out how to have it. And so Seth put out a call for generators to come to the church and to help us get power here at the church. So we thought about how we could re rewire some stuff in here, as in, and when I say rewiring, we're unplugging stuff and plugging it into something. I'm not sitting there, you know, being an electrician. We're not sitting there over here, you know, wiring stuff new. We're not doing that. So we tried to figure all that out. I want you to know that we had at least six extra um, generators just sitting around. We had more than what we needed. And I'm going to tell you why. Because this church was practicing the message that they heard that Sunday morning. And it's not the first time that you've done this. It's not the first time that you, you have valued what is happening here and what God is doing here and you rallied to make something happen. Uh, building C had a guy uh, come in, he's an electrician. He took his generator and he wired the system over there to where the place had electricity except for like air conditioning, right? Over here, we were just plugging lights in and having stuff happen, you know, in here so we could see and we could have our visuals and all that kind of stuff. But it was absolutely amazing. In 45 minutes, we had the place up and running. 45 minutes. There are two reasons for that. One is the dedication of God's people. And second, God works through the dedication of his people. It is a miracle that you are a part of to make that happen on Sunday evening. A miracle. A miracle. 
And when you take God's word and you apply it to your life and you live it out, miracles happen. Let me qualify miracles. Because a lot of us think that miracles is something big. Someone gets touched and, you know, they get healed. That definitely is a miracle. But let's not underestimate the little miracles that happen in our life. The little things that happen outside of our power just because we were faithful in following Jesus. And we can look at those and see an amazing work of God. And to have power in the other building and to have all of this go off without a hitch and the kids not even know that we didn't have power is an amazing thing. And that is what God wants you to do. He has loved you. He has chosen you for a purpose. He wants you to live it out in front of other people. He wants you to show other people what he has taught you and how he has taught you to live. He wants you to be dedicated and he wants you to follow him. So your afflictions are just an opportunity for you to be faithful so that his power can be shown. Your good times are only just a tool, right? For his power and his glory to be shown. The stuff that comes up in your life like power outages is just a moment to hit that challenge head on faithfully and have God's power be shown in your life. So we imitate that. We are loved, we are chosen, we were moved by the gospel and now we're moved by faith to take care of what God wants done in this world. That's what we do. And that's the encouragement that um, Paul was bringing to the Thessalonians. Now, we'll wrap this up. I can't believe it. I, this is short. I thought it was going to be 45 minutes, but it's not. I'll make it longer for the next one. So y'all, y'all be, <laughs> congratulations, you came to the shorter service. Um, the dollar store the dollar store Uh, when I go to the dollar store I feel rich I feel rich I get my little cart I go around in the cart and I don't even look at the price I just put it in the buggy (laughs) I'm just not looking it doesn't matter I've just put this stuff in the buggy right it doesn't matter I'm not looking at the price I am good I'm really good that's what I do I want you to know that every human that has ever been born is a dollar store human. And God wasn't worried about the price that he paid to redeem your soul and save you from destruction. Isn't that awesome? Wasn't worried about it. Wasn't worried about it. Was glad to do it. And I am thankful that God took me off the shelf and put me in his cart. I'm thankful for that. This morning, there's some of you that may have never been put in his cart. And all he's waiting for you to do is say, buy me. Buy me. Buy me. I'm ready to be put in your cart. It's at that moment, he will go down the aisle, he'll take you off the shelf, and he'll put you in, your car, in his cart 
and you will be his forever. God is a collector of junk, and I'm one of those pieces. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this age you've given us. We thank you for your love, a love that has never stopped. We're thankful for you choosing us. We're thankful for you being rich in your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. We're thankful for you choosing us and making us part of your family and taking us home to be with you. I pray for each person in here that's just had trouble, whether it's at work or it's physically or maybe they're ahead, have some medical stuff that's going to happen. And I pray, Father, that in this moment that that truth of them being loved and chosen will just occupy their minds and their souls and you'll comfort their heart with that truth. I pray for the people in the room that maybe have never received you as their Savior. Though they may have heard it many times. And I ask that by the power of your Holy Spirit, this will be the moment where they say, I'm sorry for my sins, Lord, and I want you to be my Savior.